I still remember when he came in because I was on the third floor of this older building in, in Southfield and um, yeah, the heat didn't work in the wintertime. The, the <laughs> light was flickering. The AC didn't work in the summertime and it was like a sweat box in the summer and he just froze in the winter. And I just had one desk that I'd bought at a garage sale on a phone and an old computer. And this guy, you know, I knew he was coming in and and uh, so I went down, I looked out the window and he pulls up in a Mercedes, you know, he comes walking out. So I saw him walking up the stairs and so I ran back into my office and he comes in and he's got like an Armani suit on, Rolex watch, and I'm sitting there with my JC Penny Hager pants on and a wrinkled white shirt. And I'm standing behind my desk, I'm nervous. And This episode is brought to you by Zeratex Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, on today's episode of the podcast, I sat down and visited with Jay Storm. Jay is the owner of Storm Insurance Services, uh, an insurance company down in lower Michigan. He's also the author of a book called Chasing the NHL from Pond Hockey to Pro, the Trent Davatilla story. Uh, so we talked about insurance, sales, stuff like that. Also talked about his book, <clears throat> which is the story of uh, how Jay helped Trent and Trent play ended up playing pro hockey after just playing in a men's league. Uh, so pretty crazy story there. Uh, planning on ordering the book. I haven't read it myself. Uh, but Jay said, if, even if you're the type to not read necessarily, uh, but it, it's a, it's still a super easy read. And it's as though you're sitting around a campfire. You get to hear the whole backstory of how it all happened. Uh, so uh, yeah, this is one I really had fun with. It was fun to meet Jay. We've got a lot of, I'd say a little, a lot of similar mindsets within the sales world and the, and the uh, passions that come with that. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this one. I really did. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Jay, thanks for coming in. Hey, thanks for having me, Logan. Yeah. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Good to be back up in the UP. Right, right. We're going many different directions, but I guess the few of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, I guess, sales, uh, a book that you wrote, and then I guess some mindset stuff, kind of that goes into all of it. Sure. Uh, and I guess sales would tie into the insurance, and then the that could tie into the book, I'm sure, eventually too, and all that kind of stuff. But can you get into your, you were, before we got on, we were just talking, I, I'm curious about your insurance story, like getting into it, your approach to it, but then eventually just like mindset around sales, That's that'd be interesting. Uh, okay. how did you, well, uh, starting off insurance, how did you get into it? Yeah. So, um, when I, when I first got into it, I was probably 18 years old. I got licensed and, um, I was, I went to, down state to play hockey and started working at my uncle John's, uh, farmer's insurance office with his son, Ron. Well, before Ron was actually going to tech at that time. And then, uh, played for a little while for the Lakeland Jets hockey team. And I was working for him, driving back from back and forth from Redford to uh, Waterford. And then um, ended up making that team. And um, But shortly into the season, I got hurt. I hurt my back and decided to move home and um, came and worked for my dad for a while. 
during the summer and as before I went back to uh so I worked one summer with my dad at the Douglas agency in Houghton um with the Borsums and uh at the end of the summer I was going to go back and play hockey again and um Michigan Tech had brought in Bob Mancini a coach and I actually ended up writing up his car insurance up at the dealership Hmm. he came into town he's looking for insurance and somehow I got the call so I went up there and talked to him and he found out I played hockey I guess and he asked, I guess he did a little research and asked me to walk on at Tech. So I um, I decided not to go back to juniors and um, played hockey one year at Tech. And then soon realized I wasn't good enough to get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. So I decided to move back down state and I went back to work for Ryan Uncle John for like three years and I was a producer for him. Um, so I learned a lot, you know, we sold auto and home insurance and uh, after three years, we just kind of mutually decided it was best for me to go out on my own. So I went up to, um, I started driving around looking for places to start and and uh, found a little hole in the wall office in Southfield, Michigan. Um, it was a real small office on the third floor of a building. And I met this Asian lady who owned it and I didn't have any money really at the time. So I actually asked her if I could get six months free rent. and. Um, she wasn't too fired up on that but eventually she came around and she said sure and um got a little desk from a garage sale and bought a phone from i think it was kmart at the time and uh hung a shingle and started started up that way yeah when you were uh producing you said what does that mean you're just getting appointments or something like yeah that? no i was I, well i got licensed before that you know like okay. i think i was like when i was 18 i got i passed the, the insurance exam um and uh so i worked under an agent and just did like a commission split with them mm-hmm. so whenever i sold you know i got paid a percentage of it and they got a percentage of it as well so yeah. i just it, it worked all great for me i mean it was you know, I worked three years there and I was doing fairly well. I was fairly happy. And then for whatever reason, um, yeah, I guess they wanted me to just go out on my own. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous cause I had just bought a house and I was pretty young. I was like 21, I think. Hmm. And yeah. And I just kind of, kind of jumped right into the fire and figured it out. The hard part for me getting started was I didn't have I want. I knew I wanted to be an independent agent. So I, that was Farmers is a captive company, so that means you can just sell for farmers. But previously, having worked at the Douglas Agency um, in Holton, they had multiple companies, and so I saw both sides of the business. And once I realized I was going to go out on my own, I definitely wanted to pursue the independent agent side. Yeah. And but the hard part was is nobody wanted to appoint you, so I'm calling all these companies, you know telling them, Hey, I'm, I'm licensed. I want to be an agent. And they basically just laughed at me. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah, we're not looking to appoint anybody. So to me, that was the, that was the biggest struggle. Just letting a insurance company or having an insurance company, let me sell for them. Yeah. That, that was the hard part. Huh. And how'd you overcome that? Just eventually. I, I just called, I called pretty much every company in the state all the time. Yeah. I mean, just begging them and um you know just saying hey just give me a chance and you know so i started off selling high risk auto insurance so back then it was like titan insurance company north point insurance company and and they were high risk they were high risk auto insurance companies and then there's something called the the facility where where if you didn't have insurance you could get 
you, you could buy insurance through the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And and um, so I had Titan, North Point, and I sold insurance through the uh, Michigan Automobile Insurance Placement Facility, which is anybody can qualify for that, but the rates are pretty high. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, basically anyone with a DUI or a lot of speeding tickets, so that's it's not a huge market. Right. So to try to look for those people, it's 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 tough. So I, you know, I went out and talked to quite a few police officers and uh, lawyers and just said, hey, if any of your clients get a DUI um, or if they have a problem with tickets and the rates go up or they can't get insurance, call me. Hmm. I'm the guy they're looking for. You know. And so I I did that for probably well i did it for a few years but um it was about a year in and i run into a guy who was starting a like it's called a cluster uh, it was a cluster of this guy had set up a cluster of insurance companies where he was like the head guy Mm -hmm. and he would have a bunch of agents under him but you owned your book of business so his name is bill and i called him and he wasn't too interested at first and i kept bugging him and bugging him because I knew he was looking for agents and I convinced him to come out to my office and um I still remember I still remember when he came in because I was on the third floor of this older building in in Southfield and um yeah the heat didn't work in the winter time the the (laughs) light was flickering the AC didn't work in the summertime and it was like a sweat box in the summer and he just froze in the winter and I just had one desk that I'd bought at a garage sale on a phone and a old computer and this guy you know i knew he was coming in and and uh so i went down i looked out the window and he pulls up in a mercedes you know he comes walking out so i saw him walking up the stairs and so i ran back into my office and he comes in and he's got like an armani suit on rolex watch and i'm sitting there with my jc penny hager pants on and a wrinkled white shirt and i'm standing behind my desk i'm nervous and he comes in and He's, he looks at me, I introduce myself, and uh, and he, I remember he came, he's like, well, Jay, after I talked to him for about 10 minutes, he said, uh, he said, well, I'm going to need a business plan, you know, and blah, blah, blah. So I was panicking at this point because I'm like, this is my chance. I have this guy right in front of me. And I had no clue, like, even how to, how to start a business plan. Mm-hmm. I mean like you know i was a c student in high school <laughs> i went to tech for a year but i wasn't uh i wasn't the studious type so i had no idea even how to begin to write a business plan so i just remember i kind of panicked a little bit but I, I i walked over to my desk and i grabbed the phone book and it was about i don't know four inches thick it was the oakland county phone book and i walked i walked I, the desk that was behind the the desk i was standing behind um, that's where the phone book was. I grabbed it. I walked over and I said, I said, uh, Mr. Anderson, I said, let me just tell you something. I said, I could razzle dazzle you with the fanciest business plan you've ever seen. I said, but the bottom line is I said, you see this phone book? I slammed it down on the, on the counter <laughs> and he's like, he's like, yeah, I, I see it. I said, well, you're looking at my business plan. I said, you think there's enough phone numbers in that book, Mr. Anderson? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'm going to call every single one of them and ask them if I can quote, quote their home and auto insurance. Right. And he's like, wow. Um, okay. Uh, he's like, hang on one second, young man. And he literally walked downstairs and I thought he left. I thought he was just like yeah. ditching me. He comes back like five minutes later and he's like, he's like, I'm going to give you a chance. And so 
<laughs> right then and there, he appointed me. And at that time, um, I think they only had one company because that's the only one he gave me. It was Great American Insurance Company. They're no longer in the state. Hmm. And so he filled out the paperwork and he pulls out this little computer disk thing. And it's like a DOS computer, I think, at the time. And he's showing me how to, how to work up the rates. So he spent about an hour with me and just gave me like a real generic training. Like here, here's how you, here's how you, you know, figure out our rates and blah, blah, blah. And so he kind of went through that and he, he left me like eight applications to start. And uh, he's like, yeah, that's, I'll probably get you till the end of the month, you know? And I think it was on a Tuesday, Tuesday morning when he dropped those off. And he's like, I'll get you some more at the end of the month. And um, I said, yeah, so I can start right now. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you can start. Well, he left and I went, I went and uh, stuck my nose in that phone book and started calling him. And at the end of the week, I had all those eight applications filled out already. I, they're in the mail. So I called them. I'm like, I'm like, Bill, I got, I got, I need more applications, you know? And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I already sold them. They're, they're already, already got like, you know, a bunch of houses and cars. I said, but I need more applications. So I met him. I think I met him in a Walmart parking lot. And uh, and he gave me like thirty more, and then so that's how I got started. Hmm. And uh, uh, that's crazy. Okay, so this guy, I'm trying to understand. He, the the the, I guess the I don't know if it's important or not the structure behind it, but either way, he had a a brand or a, a bunch of different agents underneath him. Yeah, so he uh, was like, he, he, it was some group um, that that he was started. So these companies would go to him and. They basically trust him to appoint the agents, so he'd have like fifty agents under him. I gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. So then I I, I built my business up with 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 Great American Insurance Company for like three years, and I was I was making good money, you know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a then one day I remember I came in and they said they're um, they're pulling out of the state, hmm. and um, that that was really nerve wracking for me because um, I didn't have anybody else to sell for and. Yeah, so I, I basically went out of business. Mm-hmm. So I was a producer for three years. I was, you know, I, I did fairly well. I was making a living. I had bought a house and then went back to zero. Mm-hmm. Started with uh, started with this group and uh, <clears throat> and then with and Great American Insurance Company was in the state and I, I built up my business over three years and you know I was doing making a decent living and then uh, they decided to pull out of the state so. I'm sitting here like, what am I going to do? So I joined another group Mm -hmm. that was starting and they had some different carriers and I had built it up over five more years. (laughs) And then I, you know, just something happened with the group. I don't really want to get into the details, but I I felt like I was getting ripped off um, and I wanted to get out of this group. So I got a lawyer to help me get out of that contract, and then, but in the meantime, I had got a, a direct appointment with with a, um, auto owners insurance company. This is probably after ten years, so I did three years with the one group, and then joined another one. And after after five years, I just realized like this isn't what I'm looking for, and mm-hmm. um, there were just some circumstances that 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 happened, and I'm just like, you know what, I'm, I'm not putting up with this. So I got a lawyer to get me out of that contract, but I had I had knew I had uh, auto owners insurance company um, on deck. Mm-hmm. So that, but that was almost eight to ten years in. Sure, starting they finally decided to get me. So once I had that direct appointment, I said, 
I'm, I'm golden. So I got out of that contract and started over again. Mm-hmm. That was basically in my mind, that was like the third time of starting over from, from zero. Right. I was, I think I was 28 years old Yeah. at the time when I started over the last time. Okay. And then since then you haven't had to restart. No, no, to- then, <laughs> so then, uh, so when I got appointed, um, when I got appointed with them, um, I, 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 I did really well. Um, and then other companies, you know, once, once I started doing good with them on my own, other companies that I had talked to started poking their nose around and then say, Hey, we want you to sell for us, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I was able to pick up more and more. And, and now it's like, I have, you know, I have many different carriers and I have all the ones that I really want or need. And, um, yeah, I've just been building it ever since. Yeah. Do you, uh, and, and what's your agency called? Storm Insurance Agency? Storm or? Insurance Services. Services. Okay. And was that what it was when you started in that little office yeah. too? And you've kept yeah. it, right? Yeah. Just kept yeah. it. Yeah. I started off. Well, I, I started off in Southfield and then, um, why well, I, I was in that real small, small office and then I moved into a strip mall and then, uh, I moved from there to, uh, Farmington. Okay. Orchard Lake and 10 mile. Hmm. And uh, through the whole deal, like when you first got into it at 18 uh, to 21 years old through the whole process, is it because you, was it the sales that got you into it? Was it your, your you said an uncle or different family members that were Well, involved? initially, I knew since I was in third grade, I was going to sell insurance. Really? So okay. yeah, I, I, and everybody, you know, a lot of people ask like, how'd you get into it? Well, my uncle James was a, he was a big farmer's agent at the time. And we had, li- we were living in Chassel. And I remember I was standing out in my front yard it was in the summertime and he would drive by with his boats and behind his boats, his kids would be pulling, you know, another car with some jet skis and mm-hmm. his wife would be pulling their ski boat. And I, I, I asked my dad, I'm like, dad, what does uncle James do? He's like, Oh, he sells insurance. And I'm like, well, so do you. And he's like, yeah, he sells insurance in the city. I said, well, I said, if I don't play for the Red Wings, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I, and, and then when I also, when I was in third grade, I had a teacher, her name is Mrs. Netzel. I don't even know if she's still alive now, but, um, she had us write us a letter to ourselves when we were in third grade, what we yeah. want to be when we get older. And I was, I graduated from Hancock and all of a sudden, like a month after I graduated, I get this letter that showed up and the envelope had green ink on it. And I could tell, I, I remember writing that letter. I'm like, yeah. what the heck? I totally forgot about it. Right. But in that letter, and I think I may, might still have it. Um, I said, uh, yeah, I basically said when I grow up, I'm a, wear number three for the Detroit Red Wings or I'm going to sell insurance like my uncle James. Yeah. And obviously I wasn't good enough for the Red Wings. So right. here I am selling insurance. I'm still selling insurance. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. Yeah. So I was in, I was, I was inspired by him. You know, I didn't really know anything about insurance or what insurance was. I just knew like, you know, that's, I wanted to be like him. Yeah. You know, I guess I have a huge appreciation for it just from the sales side. Like I've been in that for a while and I enjoy that. I appreciate it and respect it. And I guess I'm, uh, I'm curious if you do as well or, and then if you did, what, what, when did you start to appreciate it? Like, was it early on or right away? Or what was that? What was like the, your mindset around sales and, and that whole side of it? And, and how did it change throughout time? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, my, well, for one thing, when I first started, I had no money. So you're trying to think of how am I going to get my name out there? And you don't have a pot or a window, you yeah. know, like I, and I'm sure that's how it is for a lot of people starting up. So, 
Um, I did a lot of cold calling. I mean, I probably did it six hours a day for 12 years. I mean, I remember my fingers used to bleed. Hmm. I, I would call from most, most of the time from three to nine, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes I call in the morning cause you get a lot of retirees that were home. Um, and then, um, a lot of times on the weekends, I, I, I started going to garage sales huh. and I'd look in the paper and, you know, XYZ subdivision would be having a garage sale. So I, I, I'd go in there and, you know, these are big subdivisions with, you know, 60 to a hundred houses and they'd all be selling, selling their junk out of their garage. So I'd go in there and buy like a, a golf ball for like 50 cents or, you know, any, anything to strike up a conversation. And usually the husband and the wife are both there. Mm-hmm. So I'd go in there and, you know, buy something small for 50 cents and just kind of like chat them up a little bit. Say, Hey, you guys have a nice house here. You know, like, I mean, man, it'd be nice to have a house like this someday, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, just say, by the way, I'm in the insurance business. I says, would you mind if I called you on, on Monday and gave you a quote? And I figured if they're selling all their old clothes and they're looking to either make some money or make, so I, I knew like, Hey, they'd probably be interested in saving some money. So it'd be like, you know, some of them would be like, sure. You know, so I'd take down their name and number and, and, and then I'd go to the next house. And at the end of the subdivision, I'd get like 30 leads out of there <laughs> And I'd call them back the next week and they remember talking to me. They met me on Saturday and I'd run the quotes and go out there. And I mean, a lot of people would say, no, you know, I'm not interested. But after they heard how much money their neighbor saved, you know, a lot of them called me too. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what I did. And then uh, when I was selling high risk auto insurance, I used to, there was a lot of bars around me. So I, I'd go up to Royal Oak and Oak Park and I'd get to know some of the bar owners and I'd ask them if I could put a sign. So I remember it, for the week, just for Friday night, Saturday night, and a lot of them let me do that. And I would just put up like a neon sign saying, you know, if you're pissed off about your insurance rates, call Jay, you know, with mm-hmm. my phone number and I'd hang it above the urinal mm-hmm. and, and just stuff like that, you know, just trying to think outside the box. And I'd get a lot of calls. If you get a DUI, call Jay. So I'd, I figured, well, if they're, you know, where, where do you find DUI people? You find them, they're, they're going to be at the bar, right? Right. So I'd get, you know, I'd get one or two calls every week off of that. And, uh, you know, I was still writing the high risk business as I was building my preferred business too. Yeah. So, hmm. Um, but early on, uh, to, to make it, obviously you have to have a natural gift with people or the ability to just relate and have conversations, stuff like that. But early on, did you, uh, appreciate that side of it? Like the sales side? I mean, did you enjoy it and, and, and find like a thrill in it in a way or something like that? Uh, uh, yeah, for me, it was more like there was no, like there, the, the reason I, 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 I like insurance is there's really no cap, like you know, on, on how much money you make or yeah. you can kind of like make whatever you want. And, you know, if you're comfortable, you don't, you know, so it's, it's, there's a lot of pressure to it too. Um, but I like, you know, I like being my own boss, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, uh, you don't have somebody telling you when to be there, but you do have to be self-motivated. You have to have grit. Um, and I think those were two things that, that I was blessed with. I wasn't blessed as much, but I had a few things that, that, that I could use. Mm-hmm. And I, I just remember when I quit, when I quit school and I told my dad and mom, I was moving, moving to Detroit. I was like, well, I'm going to either, I'm either going to be an insurance agent or I don't know, I'll, I'll be a Walmart greeter or something. And yeah. I still, I'll still probably do that in my retirement when I'm, when I'm done with insurance. I, I, I love meeting people and talking to people. And I think I'd be a, a awesome Walmart greeter to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Right. 
Uh, but I, I guess, yeah, that whole dynamic is what I'm curious about the sales side of it and the people side of it. But it, have you always been super curious about people? Yeah. I mean, I, I love, I love talking to people, meeting people. I'm not afraid to get out there and, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I've had, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're cold calling, you, you, you develop thick skin oh, pretty yeah. quick. Cause you know, there, there's a lot of, a lot of nasty people out there you know but you can't take it personal you know what i mean it's like these people don't know you i mean yeah you might bug them on a monday night or tuesday night or catch them at a bad time and but even then you kind of you kind of figure out you know what works and what doesn't work and how you phrase things and <laughs> uh, when i yeah I, I made so many mistakes when i was calling you know they like a lot of these co- in, you know marketing or insurance companies they give you a script to read and you, you know i think that lasted about 10 minutes i'm like i'm not a script kind of guy you know i just gotta go shoot from the cuff and 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 just be me you know like you can totally tell when somebody's reading off of script um, on what to say so so yeah i kind of just developed my own style over time and um i was uh, yeah i've been rejected just thousands and thousands of times but if you can't handle that yeah sales isn't for you but just know that if you are in that situation don't take it personal because you know, most people, they don't hate you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, I've been called every name in the book, literally. And, and, uh, so, but you have to look, sometimes, sometimes you have to learn how to change your approach and adjust on the fly and things like that. Um, I remember, you know, when I first started calling, I would, I would like say I was calling you, I'd be, Hey Logan, uh, this is Jay Storm from Storm Insurance. I was wondering if I could give you a quick click. They would just hang up. Yeah. But, uh, but so like when I started looking at the phone book, I, I, I swear it's a, you know, Logan Herkis with your phone number. It's, it, you know, that there's a note to call you. So I'd say, Hey Logan, it's Jay storm calling back from storm insurance. I had a note here to call you towards the end of July about giving you a quote on your home and auto insurance. Yeah. You'd say, Oh really? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it was you or me or somebody from my office talked to you or your wife within the last few months. Um, but I know your, your, your insurance should be coming up for renewal here pretty quick. And I wanted to make sure I got a quote to you. Yeah. So by saying I had a note to call you that opened up a whole new avenue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's uh, I think early on, I'm just trying to think for, for me, for sales has been kind of an evolution early on. It was like, Hey, I'm, I'm good at working with people. I've talked about it before on here. I just enjoy talking to people and heard from Steve Eskla. Like, Hey, if you're good at that, you can, you can do well. Like it's a good path to go down. And at first it was just like the learning, the engaging, whatever else. But I've gotten to the point now where it's, you, you, you come up with like a philosophy in a way, if you want to call it that, like, uh, again, people have these scripts and do this and do that. And it's like, no, just at the end of the day, just be you be a customer advocate and just just help people and that's all it comes down to right but you you uh, definitely have to have like a, a a servant's heart you you have to want to help people um but at the end of the day like your you know your brand is you it's mm-hmm. it, you know so if you walk up to somebody with a smile on your face and you look them in the eye you shake their hand you know they're they're at the end of the day they're gonna buy from you that's what i realized yeah. it's like it doesn't matter you could have the fanciest you know shtick i guess or fanciest plan or at the end of the day they either like you or they don't and if they like you they're gonna buy from you mm-hmm. i mean and that's what i learned over the years so just forget all the fluff all the bs mm-hmm. you know look people in the eye smile and and that's that's your logo that's your business card yeah after uh after i heard from steve about sales and i wanted to get into it we were living down in florida 
uh, he had worked for this gentleman, an unbelievable guy that sold diamond blades down yeah. there. Um, and I wanted to get into it. We were kind of there just to have fun and golf and pay rent. But also I was like, Hey man, we got to try this out. I ended up doing it for a couple of weeks and realized, man, I'm here to just have fun and play golf. And, yeah. and, and w- this is around the clock work, but I still learned a ton in those two weeks. This guy, like, for example, like er- things early on, like, uh, you know, I remember calling a guy like, hello, sir, this is uh, Logan Herkus, you know, whatever and got hung up on yeah. or whatever the story was, you know, and he stands up, he's like, you don't ever call him, sir. Yeah. He said, you're a, you're a executive in a corner office in Miami. You're looking over the beach. You're doing, he's like, it doesn't <laughs> matter anything, but it's the moment you call him, sir, he's above you. You're below him. You know, things like that, that you learn, like, okay, I don't know uh, and then i don't know that i ever will not call somebody sir but you did realize like doesn't matter who you are or where you are like we're on the same level you know uh so things you learn like that i think that can help through the through the process but it's uh and, and a lot of little things like i've knocked on a ton of doors i started a lawn business out in dickinson one of the summers knocking a ton of doors you learn hey if your shoulders are square to the door they're going to be more intimidated less likely to open the door and yeah. and open up and talk to you but if you're like shoulders are sideways to them yeah uh, or like back I, up I, I, back I, up on the sidewalk don't stand right right outside their door right back off yeah. about 30 feet you know so they're not threatened you're just you know kind of hang out back there that's that's yeah. that's another thing i learned as well right right so even though you're still just having relationships you're still doing these things like hey i'm not going to intentionally just square out my shoulders and be three feet in front of your door you know what i mean things like that but uh eventually again within real estate i I sold vehicles at sax motors out in dickinson the scripts again like you said they throw them out does that do they work for anybody i don't know maybe on a large scale they might but uh, yeah i don't know i mean i guess it's 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 really individual it doesn't work for me i mean you know I go in there and just try to be myself and be honest. And like uh-huh. I said, it's be, be friendly. Um, and at the end of the day, like if people like you, they're going to buy from you. I remember mm-hmm. when I, when I was buying my engagement ring, um, I walked into this jewelry store and this guy, you know, he, he was sharp dressed, which is fine. I had no problem with that, but he, he was showing me these rings and he was talking about cut clarity and color. And, and I, I mean, I didn't even know what that was, you know? And I'm just like, I'm like, this is how you sell jewelry? You know, right. you talk about cut clarity color. I said, I, I said, man, I'd love to come in here and sell jewelry for mm-hmm. a day. I said, I, I would be asking the guy if he wants to put a smile on his girlfriend's face or does he want to take your breath away? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what I'd be talking about. I mean, I don't think most people care about cut clarity and color. I don't think anyone's ever looked at my wife's ring and with a uh, magnifying glass and seen what kind of cut clarity or color it has, you know? Right. And not that it's a huge ring, but to me it was, it was a good one for her, you know? But yeah, I, I guess, you know, it's, it is interesting to see different sales approaches. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, and then the other end of it, what, what thinking about buying a ring, I went to a, buying a ring out in Dickinson. I was like, I'm going to, I want to go support the local small mom and pop shop, you know, yeah. walked in there looking at the rings and instantly the guy was just dogging on the other places in town saying they're no good. You know, they, yeah. and I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it whereas if you just had a smile and said, Hey, how can I help you? Like I yeah. probably would have bought a ring from him, but yeah. instead I'm like, okay, if this is the approach I'm out of here, you know? Right. But I think a lot of people take that approach with selling is like, let me tell you the perks and the bonuses and this, this spec sheet here of this and that. And it's like, that's not it at all. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you, uh, with like, you got people working underneath you, right? And now you do a different insurance. Yeah, agents. I wouldn't yeah. say they're working underneath me. I mean, they work for me or with me. You know, every every yeah, I have a I I have a, a really really good team, and and uh, to me, that's that's what it's all about, and that's what I had to learn over the years is just like 
it's about it's all about the team yeah. i mean everyone's got like a role um a lot of the stuff i i learned from sports and i learned the hard way it's like like i said i had no no master's degree in business on how to set up an organization not that i have a huge organization but still just just how to build a team but i you know i i looked at a lot of different agencies and agents and the successful agents and and you realize pretty quick that you there's no way you could do it by yourself yeah uh but do you i guess again i'm still curious about that sales approach or sales philosophy do you have like a philosophy that you try to teach them or or, or the, that people that they bring on or do you kind of let them pave their own path or do you yeah no i mean like when they come in i i kind of train them on how i how i want to approach things um you know I mean, when you're selling insurance, a lot of people are calling to save money, right? Or you're calling them to try to save a money. That's, that's, it's almost like a commodity, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a learning curve, you know, like everyone's got their own style. And, and when I first started, I'd be like, you know, I'd, I'd kind of give them a little bit of a framework on what to say. Um, and I think every, every, if you're selling cards, it's different. If you're selling insurance, it's different. So I don't have like this master philosophy, but there's mm. definitely things that I, that I learned that I want my staff to learn and understand. And, um, you know, the, but the biggest thing for me is I had to learn how to not to micromanage them. I had to let them be them, Yeah, you know? So it's like, you'd, you'd listen to their conversation. You'd be like, Oh, what'd you, what'd you say that for? You, you know, you're thinking you're right. dummy, you know, like I wouldn't tell them that, but, that, but eventually you kind of just, you just correct them and show them and they listen to you. And, and then they kind of, you know, I just say at the end of the day, you have to be you and come up with your own style. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I definitely give them a, give them a framework on, on what to say or how to approach things. Cause a lot of the questions are the same. Um, you can almost anticipate after a while what, what people are going to say. So, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is, um, how you word things, I guess. Yeah. You know, right. This, uh, yeah, I guess trying to get at, I wonder, asking you about your sales philosophy kind of leads to like just your own personal philosophy uh of life or whatever else but i guess then that can tie into the book you wrote a book what's it called the true story of no it's called uh chasing the nhl okay it's about trent davatilla yeah um, he's from howell and he a lot of people up here know about him you know i'm not the only one yeah i mean everybody knew trent was good and they were great and uh yeah just one day i I woke up and um, I had a lot of conversations with people up here. Me and, you know, my uncle Gordy, we'd talk all the time. And I just be like, Oh, what'd you do this weekend? He's like, Oh, I went and watched the pioneers, you know, saw Trent ripping it up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, we, so we were always talking like, yeah, we, we, someone's got to give them a shot somewhere, you know, and uh, it didn't work out with tech or whatever. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus there. But anyways, um, I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm, what, I'm going to call Trent and ask him. I said, I, I know he can play. Um, I know he can play pro hockey. I think he's good enough to play for the wings. And I remember my uncle and I were laughing and like, like, you know, I said, I said, I'm going to do it. So then I called Trent and uh, he was actually going to tech at the time. I said, I didn't really even know him that good. You know, I said, Hey Trent. And I said, this is Jay, <clears throat> Jay storm. I said, uh, listen, man. I said, if I get you a shot to play pro hockey, you know, would you do it? And he kind of is like, he's like, what? I'm like, yeah. I'm, I, I said, I, I think you're good enough to play for the wings. I said, like, if, if I got you a shot to play pro hockey, would you do it? And he's like, he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, but how are you going to do that? I said, I, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And and I and I said, but I, I just want to know, like, if, if I do this, 
that you're committed. You know, he's like, yeah, I'd love to give it a shot. You know, I said, okay, because, and again, I didn't know Trent at the time, really. I, I knew who he was and I watched him when he was younger and, you know, um, saw him in the summers down state. Like I'd go, I'd drop in, watch summer hockey or, you know, slow puck, men's league, beer league, whatever you want to call it. He's like, yeah. I'm like, you'll do whatever it takes. Cause I, I said, Trent, I'm not going to quit. I said, I'm going to, I guarantee you, I'm going to get you a shot to play, but you got to make sure you're all in. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. So mm-hmm. that's basically how the book started. And I remember the next day I woke up, got out of the shower and I was looking in the mirror and I said, Jay, if you want to piss at the big dogs, you better start calling them. So I went to work and on the way there, I just got it in my mind. I said, I'm, I'm going to do this, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, so, and then I'm thinking like, who am I going to call? You know, I didn't, obviously now I, there's a lot of steps that you should take and, and, and need to take, but I, I was, I was naive and clueless. So I'm like, well, if, if you're going to do something like this, who are you going to call? So I said, I'm, I'm, I'm calling Kenny Holland, man. Yeah. Like he's the GM of the wings. I'm starting at the top. I ain't screwing around. Right. And I went to work that day and I started calling Kenny Holland and his secretary's name was Kim. And like the first 15 times she just took a message, you know, and, but this is like 15 times over five days because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't calling me back. So then finally I just said, Kim, I got to know her obviously out by, by Wednesday. I started on Monday or maybe it was a Thursday. I said, listen, Kim, I said, she said, what's this in regards? I said, Oh, this is, this is about, you know, or at first I said, Hey, is Kenny there? And she's like, no. And, uh, I'm like, she's like, can I take a message? I say, yeah, just tell him Jay storm called and I leave my number. You know, I did that for about the first five times. And, and then pretty soon she was, she's like, well, what's this about? And I'm like, Oh, it's about a hockey player. And, and, uh, just just have them call me you know uh-huh. <laughs> and so then about the 25th time you know we were getting to know each other more and more i'm kind of giving you the short version but i'm like kim i go listen i go i don't want to be rude or obnoxious i said but i am gonna keep calling you until he calls me back right so please have him call me back and she was at this point she was kind of laughing she's like yeah okay this sounds kind of crazy but she's like i'll, I'll have him call you and then after the 30th time I called him and I told my girls, if a guy, I told the girls in my office, he said, if a guy named Kenny Holland calls here, I don't care what I'm doing. You say, yes, he will be available, you know, in 10 seconds. Right. Like, yeah, I'll get him on the phone. Like if he, I said, if he calls, because I'm working, I'm selling insurance. I'm trying to make a living. Um, and in the meantime, between calls and servicing, I'm, I'm calling him, you know, I'm calling down to, at the time it was Joe Lewis arena and getting connected with his office. Right talking to kim his secretary and uh, i said so if kenny holland calls put him through like i'm talking to him and i remember the day he called um this girl and her name is samantha she was working for me at the time and i was in the middle of a sales call and i literally hung up the phone when mm-hmm. i heard when i heard he was on hold and i grabbed the phone and i said uh i said kenny thanks a million for calling me back i said i said you know you're probably wondering why the heck i'm calling i said but do you have five minutes mm-hmm. he's like yeah 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 i got five minutes i said okay he said what's this about i said man i said i'm calling i said this sound this is gonna sound crazy so lean back in your chair i said but what i'm about to tell you is is it's gonna blow your mind i said but there's this kid 
I said, oh, one, one other thing I told him, I said, there's one thing you and I, I said, the reason I'm calling you is because there's one thing you and I both have in common. He's like, well, what's that? I said, we both recognize talent. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I know you found all them Russians and, you know, over in Russia and, and you, you don't leave any stone unturned, Ken. I said, either do I. I said, but there, there's one stone that, that people missed on. And, and there's this kid named Trent Davatilla. I said, I'm telling you, he was missed. And I said, the reason I'm calling you is because I got nothing but respect for you. I said, I saw you, you did at the wings. I said, you find all these great Russian players over in Russia in some league that nobody heard of. I said, but there's this kid playing. And uh, I said, all I'm asking you is to take a look at him, you know. And um, when I got done talking with him, I'm, I'm trying not to get into, into the weeds too much. But when I got done talking to him, he said, Jay, I just want to tell you something. That's the most passionate speech I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> He says, and I promise you that we will take a look at this guy. He said, I'm going to have one of my top two scouts give you a call. He said, it's either going to be Jim Nil or Ron Sanko. And I heard of Jim Nil. I, I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't know who Ron Sanko was, but he told me that he was, those two guys were top two scouts. Huh. So I said, okay, that sounds good. He said, I'm going to have him call you and we're going to take a look at this kid. So I, at the time I thought he was going to get a shot with the wings. You know? mm-hmm. So I'm on my way home from work. My phone rings. Guy's like, Jay, it's Ron Sanko with the Detroit Red Wings. And he said, I'm also the GM of the Flint Generals in the IHL. He said, I understand you got a hockey player that we should take a look at and blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah. He said, okay, well, this sounds interesting. It sounds unbelievable. Like, where's he playing? And I'm like, uh, he's actually playing in a, in a men's league. I said, right now he's actually over in Wisconsin playing in a men's league tournament. And he's like, well, what kind of league? I said, oh, just, yeah, just a men's league. Like, he's like, like beer league? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, listen, man. Like, he he can't play for the, he like, this kid isn't going to be good. I said, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. He is good enough. I said, you got to take a look at this kid. He's like, well, you know, tell me a little bit more about him. So I did. And he's like, all right, well do you think you could get him here this weekend? And uh, I said, yeah, I can. He's like, and he's in Wisconsin right now. This is like on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. I said, I'll call him. And, and uh, he says, well, have him meet me Saturday, um, Saturday morning up in Flint at our rink. And uh, he says, well, I'll talk to the coach and, and we'll take a look at him. So I said, okay. So I went home, I got home about seven o'clock and I started calling Trent and he wasn't answering, you know? And um, I called him like 15 times. So he calls me at about 10.30 at night. And he's like, hey, I'm uh, I'm in between periods. I saw you, I called like 15 times. I'm in between periods at a hockey game over here in Wisconsin. And uh, what's going on? I said, hey man. I said, after the game, pack your stuff up and head to Detroit. I'm getting you a, a tryout with the Flynn Generals. And he's like, okay you know he's he's like i'll leave after i'll leave tomorrow morning so he he calls me the next morning and <laughs> and i'm like all right trent i said you're you're, you're gonna you're, you're gonna go to a, you're getting a trial for the flynn generals I, I said how's that sound he said that sounds good and i could kind of hear him like the window was down i'm like what are you doing right now he's like oh i'm just having a cigarette yeah i'm like i'm like what <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm having a cigarette. I'm like, well, quit smoking. You're going pro, baby. Right. 
<laughs> so uh, he literally quit smoking that day. He, he said, yeah, I know, I got to quit. So he chucked his cigarettes out the window, and he drove here, and, and then I'm asking him, like, well, do you want me to come up there with you, or do you want – he's like, no, I, I, I can handle it myself, you know. So he the next morning he drove up to – comes to the trade the next morning. This is on a Saturday. He, he drives up to Flint, and uh, the coach and GM are out in the parking lot, and they're – you know, I don't think they are too impressed because Trent never lifted weights, or he, he didn't. You know, he didn't. He doesn't look like a prototypical hockey player, right? So I think they kind of just poo pooed him. I thought he was going to be in the lineup that that night, right? And they, he called me. He's like, "Yeah, they're uh, they're they're not gonna they're not gonna put me in the lineup tonight." They said maybe tomorrow, or whatever. So I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Yeah, I don't know. He, you know, Trent's pretty laid back and." I'm like, well, I should have went with you. I, you know, those those guys got, you know, they're, they're taking a look. You can't drive all the way here from Wisconsin. He's like, well, I, they said something about playing on Sunday. So, so Sunday I went up there and they they call him. They said, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put you in the lineup, you know. So I'm like, sweet. So they gave him a jersey, and I remember they were playing against Bloomington, Bloomington Prairie Thunder, and uh, I'm at the game and. Sitting up in the stand, they see him skating around in warm ups. You know, he just looked like this little kid out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were some big boys cruising around in warm ups. And, anyways, they, the game starts and he's not playing. And I'm just frustrated, you know. And it's all of a sudden it's three nothing, four nothing, six nothing. And there's a, it's like halfway through the third period, they're losing like seven to two. So I texted this Ron Sanko, the GM. I said, the reason you're getting your butt kicked is your best player is sitting on the bench. And he's like, he's like, yeah, it's not up to me. We'll get him a shot. You know, it's up to the coach. I'm like, well, you be, I said, text the coach. This kid's got to play. Anyways, they gave him like two shifts at the end of the game in the last minute. And he, he actually created like two scoring chances in those two shifts. Like, it, And after sitting on the bench the whole game, stiff legs, freezing, so after the game, the coach base the the coach of Flint um, basically told him thanks, but no thanks, you know, blah blah blah. Or, or he said no, he said uh, he said come to training camp next fall, and 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 we'll, we'll we'll give you a trial. So, but they basically told him to hit the road for you know he couldn't. So I'm like I'm like, I thought you guys were gonna play him. Like yeah, we'll have him come back to training camp next year. So Trent's like, yeah, that's fine. You know, he went back up to school, finished his degree, and uh, and then I hooked him up with uh, a trainer in Brighton. Um, his name is Chris Ramberg. I called him. I'm like, Chris, I said, you got. I said, Trent's gonna get a trial with the Flynn Generals. I want you to train him, you know, because I knew he, I knew a few guys he had trained before. So he's like, yeah, sure, I'll train him. So Trent trained all summer, and. Uh, doing burpees, swinging a sledgehammer against the tire, hauling sandbags. I mean, this guy was like, I think he got a lot of his training principles from Bruce Lee. He read a lot of Bruce Lee books, he hmm. said. So Trent's just working out all summer. And uh, <clears throat> we're fired up because he's going to get a tryout with the Flynn Generals. Well, to make a long story short, <laughs> it's about two weeks before training camp, and I'm, I'm calling Pete Self, and he's not calling me back. He's the coach. He was the coach at Flint at the time. So I'm calling Ron Sanko and Pete and – and, uh, and then all of a sudden I get a call. It's like two weeks before training camp, and Pete's like, yeah, I, I, it's not going to work out here, you know. I'm like, what do you mean it's not going to work out? He's like, yeah, he's not good enough to play here. I'm like, dude, like, what are you talking about? Like, you just you told him he's going to get a – you're going to bring him to training camp. Well, 
have them go to this free agent camp over in Muskegon and I'll, I'll take another look at them. So I'm like, okay. So I call Trenton and, and uh, some guy, I don't know if it was him or some guys were putting on a free agent camp for all these guys like Trent that, that thought they were good and, you know, they're trying to earn a, earn a spot in camp somewhere. So I went to this, I drove down to Muskegon, Trent was there. And there was like 160 guys there, you know, like eight teams and they're just throwing on jerseys and Trent's out there and he's playing defense. And I'm like, he needs a center. He's, so he's, he played defense all weekend. I think he led the thing and the whole thing in points, but he's playing defense. Mm-hmm. And you could just see him making plays out there. And that uh, Pete South is there. So I thought for sure he was going to take him. It was obvious he was like the best guy in the ice. He was small, but didn't even, he just ignored me walking out of there. And I called, he's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking this kid and I, I'm not interested in Trent. I'm like, what are you talking about? He just trained all summer. Like, l- just let him come try out at your camp. He's like, nope, he's not, he's not coming here. So I started panicking. I mean, here, Trent trained all summer and thinking he's going to go try out for the Flynn Generals and all of a sudden it's not happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow. So I started calling everybody. I call, you know, I was calling Bloomington. I was calling Fort Wayne. I was calling Port Huron. And, and, uh, I call this, this guy named Tim and he had knew, he had knew the GM of the Grand Rapids Griffins. Um, his name is Bob McNamara, and I was telling Tim the story. He's like, he's like, hey, I'll have Bobby Mack give him, you know, take a look at him. So, so the Griffins were having their training camp, and they, they he's like, yeah, have him come down to Joe Lewis Arena. He could he could skate with the Griffins for for a day. I'll take a look at him. So I'm like, well, can I come? You know, and and Tim's like, yeah, you know. So I I told Trent, I'm like, hey, you're getting a sh- look with the Griffins, you know. So. He drove down to Joe Lewis Arena, and then I drove my car down there and got in. So I'm watching him on Joe Lewis with all these AHL guys, and hmm. and they're just doing a lot of drills and smart games. But you could see he's out there making plays, and and that the the coach of Flint was there at the time, Pete, and uh, I was sitting with Tim and 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 Bob McNamara was sitting right in front of me and. Bob's like, yeah, he looks good out there. You know, I'm like, yeah. Well, anyways, that Pete didn't know, the coach of Flint didn't know that it was Trent out there at the time. Mm-hmm. And he leans back. He's like, hey, who's that number seven out there? And I'm like, that's Trent Davatilla, the guy you cut, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I kind of just poo-pooed it. So anyways, um, after the skate, uh, Bob McNamara is like, hey, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, obviously we haven't seen him enough here, but. Well, uh, he's like, I, my buddy is down in uh, uh, Muskegon, uh, Bruce Ramsey. He's like, I'll, I'll give Bruce a call and have Trent take a look at, you know, have him take a look at Trent. So I'm like, okay, awesome. So he actually set up the tryout with um, the Muskegon Lumberjacks of the old IHL. So Trent goes down there for three days, gets cut, you know. And I'm like, well, what'd they do? He's like, yeah, we pretty much did loop and shoot and, blah 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 and i'm like man that's that's frustrating you know he's like yeah i i know i can play out there though you know so he was i, I could tell you it's pretty confident he's like yeah i'm i could easily play out there and so i'm like well he's cut you know so or they didn't want him so i'm like all right so i started calling and i called jared scaldi in bloomington i, I mean I, I called stan julia in port huron i called every team and i was sending trent on a wild goose chase so he's going to all these teams 
and uh, after three days, two three days, they'd cut him. Well, he went to when he went to Bloomington. After three days, <laughs> Jared Scaldi was the coach at the time, and he told Trent like, "Hey, it's not going to work out," you know. So then Trent calls me, and he's like, "What should I do?" I'm like, "You walk right back into Jared Scaldi's office and tell him he's making a mistake. That's what you do." I said, "I could call him for you." I said, "But it's going to come mean a lot more coming from you, Trent." I said, "You march right into his office, look him in the eye, tell him." I ain't going anywhere. Like you're, you gotta, you gotta keep looking at me because I, I'm good enough to play here. Mm-hmm. He's like, and that's really not Trent's personality. You know, he's kind of quiet and reserved. And he's like, all right. So he walked in there and he he told him what I told him to say. And Scully's like, all right, you could sk- you could stick around for another week. Well, it was good because he could keep keep his keep his skating legs going. You know, so so he skated another week and then they're going on a road trip and. Scaldi calls me. He's like, Jay, he's like, this kid, like, he's going to get killed out here. I said, no, he won't. I said, just just put him in a game, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I, I, no, I, I, he, he, he can't play here. He said, this, this is a big boys league, you know. So then I called uh, Stan Julia, was coaching up in Port Huron. He's like, yeah, I'll send him out here. So Trent, yeah, at the time, so he, so nothing was really happening. This might have been by like October, November. Now the season's already starting, and I'm sending him to all these teams. He's going skate, get cut, going skate, get cut. Anyways, so I'm like, yeah, you got to try out with Port Huron. Well, he, Trent drove all the way out there, took a day off of work. He was working as an engineer at the time because mm-hmm. the hockey thing wasn't really working out yet. And he gets – Stan Julia cut him in the parking lot. He's like, you, 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 you ain't coming out here. You know, this, this is a man's league or whatever. I don't know. He said something about a physical or whatever, so he, he didn't let him out on the ice. Anyways um, – so I just kept calling and calling and Trent kept, he was working at his job and, and, uh, and then Nick Bootland, Trent had been out to Kalamazoo, uh, and, and Nick Bootland, I cut him and I called him like, I called all these guys like 30 times. I'm kind of giving you the short version. Mm-hmm. And Nick had cut him ready and, and I was, I was uh, just bug- bugging him and bugging him. He said, "Well, hey, if you know, if we have injury or something, maybe I could I can squeeze him in and and blah blah blah." So it might, I think it was like in January or February of the following year. Um, I'm ca- I'm calling all these teams and looking at their rosters and watching their games, and I'm like, I'm like Nick, this, this, Trent will be the best kid on your team. Like, you don't know what you don't know. I said, you got to give him a shot. I said, you got to put him in a game. So he called, I just remember I was, he calls me, he's like, Jay, he's like, is that Davitella kid still around? I said, yeah. He said, well, we, we've had some injuries and we got a education day game uh, coming up in the morning, uh, Wednesday morning. This is on a Monday afternoon. He's like, so I, he said, why don't you have him come down and I'll, I'll, I'll throw him in a game. So I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I called Trent and I'm like, Hey, you're going in the lineup for the Kalamazoo K-Wings. He's like, with, with Nick? I said, yeah. He said, he already cut me. I said, I know, but he made a mistake. He said he's going to give you a shot in a game. So Trent's like, awesome, you know. So he drove down there Wednesday morning. Probably hadn't skated in a week and because uh, he's working as an engineer. And um, I drove down there, and they were playing Port Huron. And um, they lost 2 nothing, but Trent only got two shifts. Hmm. And so I'm like, Nick, I said, that's, that's not even fair. Like you, you know, you bring him down there, you give him two shifts. I said, like, what the heck? You know, 
He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. He's like, but he's like, hey, we we still, you know, we're still banged up. He's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep him through the weekend. So Trent, he had to call his boss and basically get the rest of the week off. So so he's like, yeah, we got a few games on the weekend, and I'm gonna keep him around. I'll see if I can get him some more ice. And so I'm like, okay. So I drove down there, and I think it was a Friday night game. Um, they were playing. They were actually playing the Flint Generals, hmm. and I was halfway through the second period, and I think they were losing three to one. And Trent just sitting on the bench, you know. And halfway through the second period, this guy named Anthony Bataglia, he was our second line center for Kalamazoo. He 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 goes in the corner with a guy from Flint and just gets rocked. I could see him holding his shoulder, like, you know, I didn't know what happened. But I knew he was hit hard, and. I mean, I wasn't happy for him, but I was just like, okay. So I'm, I started banging on the glass behind the bench. I'm like, play him, you know. I was, tell, I was ba- getting trying to get Bootland's attention. He literally walked down, tapped Trent on the shoulder. He, I found out later. He said, yeah, you're going to be my second line center the rest of the game. Well, <clears throat> like three shifts in, he set up a goal. Then five shifts in, he set up set up the tying goal. They ended up winning, I think, five to four, hmm. and he had a goal and assist in that game. And then he. You know, so I call Nick after the game, and I'm kind of chirping him. He's like, <laughs> he's like, man, if this that, that was crazy. He's like, if this kid keeps playing like this, I'm not taking him out of the lineup. I'm like, you ain't he ain't coming out of your lineup ever again. Right. And uh, they 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 had to play on a Sunday afternoon. They played against Flint, and I think they beat them. After, and that was the team that cut Trent initially. Um, they had beat them, um, and Trent had like a goal and assist in that game. I think he, the last 20 games he had 18 points. Hmm. 18 points in 20 games. They didn't even get a shift on the power play. I don't want to get in too much detail, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it short. But yeah, right. so so yeah. But through all that, total. I mean, I called every team in every league basically, and I made yeah, just I made over 750 phone calls that I had documented. You know. Mm-hmm. Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. So uh, where did he go from there then? Well, after that that first IHL season, um, where, where Trent had 18 points in 20 games, um, with Kalamazoo, um, Kalamazoo decided to switch from the IHL to the ECHL. So Nick Nick Bootlin, who was the coach at the time, um, calls me and he lets me know this. He's like, "Hey, like we're 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 stepping up to the ECHL," and he's like, "But he's like, hey, I'm interested in Trent, but I don't I don't know if he'll be good enough for this level." And you know, blah blah blah. I said, "Nick, hold on a second. I said. You just saw him basically lead your team in points for the last month of the season, and you didn't even have him on the power play. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you talking about? 
he's like, well, I mean, this, the CCHL, we're going to have a lot of affiliate guys, you know, from the NHL teams and blah, blah, blah. I said, I said, but you're going to give him a chance. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt about it. I'm giving him a chance. He deserves that. I'm like, he will make your team in the fall. Yeah. Don't worry. I said, he's not going to make your team, Nick. He's going to be your best player. Trust right. me. He starts laughing. He's like, okay, you know, whatever. So the season ends. He goes through his exit interviews and. Trent's like, well, what should I do? I said, I said, do you love this? Or you, you, you have nothing to prove. Like you made it to pro hockey. That's pretty impressive what you did. Um, I said, uh, you know, do you want to, uh, do you want to keep going? He's like, yeah. So he went back in the gym, um, trained all summer with uh, Chris Ramberg again. And I mean, he was working out like six days a week and this, this kind of training is not easy. Trust me. Like right. it's, it's like picture yourself doing burpees for five minutes straight, five rounds, hitting the heavy bag, swinging a sledgehammer, pull-ups, push-ups, li like lifting weights for sure. But it was just more just functional garage farmer strength type training. Mm -hmm. And I mean, at the end of the summer, he just looked like a totally different person, you know? And, um, I'm like, man, you're, you you're ready to go. I said, you're going to, you're going to light that league up like a Christmas tree. You know? And he's like, you think so? I said, yeah, trust me. Like you, you've never been this good a shape in your life. I said, and you just basically lit up the IHL like a Christmas tree. And this is, this isn't going to be any different. Like a lot of them are going to be like the same level players and, and, and you're the best one out there, you know? And, um, so he goes to Kalamazoo training camp and I called Nick. I said, Hey, I'm, I'm coming down to watch your training camp. I said, I'm making sure there's no funny business going on here. Mm -hmm. like, he's like, okay, yeah, come on down. So I went down there. I watched every practice, every scrimmage. And I'm just telling you that he was the best guy on the ice. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't even close. So at the end of training camp, I already knew this. I could tell, I like, just watching. Like there's no way Nick's cutting him. And Nick calls me. He's like, Hey, there's no way I'm cutting him. He said, he's going to at least start the year with us. Mm -hmm. I said, what are you talking about? He'll, he said, yeah. He said, Jay, that's all I could promise you. Is he, he'll, he, he deserves to start the year with us. I said, well, if he starts the year, he's going to finish the year. Or he's going to end up in the NHL. I said, he, I said, Nick, I don't know what game you're watching, but he's the best guy on your team. He's like, he's pretty good. You know, he says, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So the, the, the first year Kalamazoo played in the ECHL, Trent had like, I don't know, 18 points in 15 games if i remember right and i got a call from nick he's like jay you're not gonna believe this i'm like what he's like trent's going to the ahl mm -hmm. i'm like the american hockey league he's like yeah he's like i just got a call from uh philadelphia the adirondack phantoms want to call him up i'm like that's what i'm talking about you know yeah. <laughs> i was so fired up so he, then he told trent and yeah trent got called up to adirondack and he ended up playing like 15 games, but it was frustrating because like he, when he got up there, they they kind of treated him like like the like when he first started in the IHL, they gave him like two shifts a period. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like not even like and they put him on the fourth line with like two fighters and, you know, dump and chase and check, check, check. Well, anyways, but his very first game on his first shift. He actually stripped the D of the puck in the neutral zone right at center ice and went on a breakaway. I think it was against Braden Holpe. His first shift in the AHL, hmm. he strips the guy of a puck, goes in on a breakaway, and I'm like, oh, my, this is going bar down. Well, that Holpe ended up making an unreal glove save. 
and me and Trent joke about it now, like what would have happened if you would have scored on that? Like that, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. But anyways, he, he, he played, he ended up playing like 15 or 18 games, but he just, he just couldn't get any ice time. You know, like they didn't, they didn't, they didn't play him. And, yeah. and, and it was so frustrating for me. I mean, I'm trying to call, like, of course at that level, I couldn't, at that time I couldn't get, get in touch with the head coach and start chirping him or nothing, you know, but, um, so it's tough just to sit back and watch them get like two shifts, two shifts a period, or maybe four shifts a game for 15 games. So then you look at his stats, you're like, yeah, he went to the AHL, he didn't do anything. Well, that's a bunch of crap because he he didn't he didn't get a shot, you know. And at this point, Trent's like 20, 25, 26 years old. You know, he's a rookie in the AHL, and uh, so he he finished he finished that stint went back to Kalamazoo I, I don't know he, he, I think he averaged right around a point a game and then uh, after that season it might have been after, I don't know if it was after that season or before that season I'm like I'm like you're going to an NHL training camp like that's it you know I just got it in my head like he's going to an NHL training camp or was that maybe it was that summer before that ECHL season it was either the summer before or after I can't remember um but I started calling all the NHL teams and trying to get them into this, into the, into a rookie camp, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm calling everybody like just tons of tons of phone calls and I'm like, screw it. I'm calling the Rangers, you know? And, um, so I talked to this, this guy named Victor Seljan and he, he was the head of the scouting department for the Rangers. And I'm telling Vic about Trent. I'm like, look at this guy. He came out of men's league hockey and he's tearing it up. You know, like I said, he's like, yeah, he's a, he's a little bit old and blah, 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 but I'll see what I can do. So so he he talked to Jim Schoenfeld at the time. He was he was like the GM of the Rangers farm team. And 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 he and he's the assistant general manager of the Rangers. And they decided to bring him to train camp. I mean, or to this rookie camp for mm-hmm. the for the Rangers. So Vic calls me up and he's like, "Hey Jay, you're not gonna believe this. I can't believe it myself, but, but I got these guys to agree to bring Trent in, so he he can come to our our rookie camp." I'm like, "Unreal, you know." So I called Trent. I'm like, "Hey, guess what? I go, you're going to the New York Rangers, baby." Hmm. He's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah." I said, "I talked to this guy named Vic, and he talked to Jim Schoenfeld, and one thing led to the next." But I said, "Yeah." I said, "They're gonna send you out an itinerary, I guess," and. You're going to the Rangers prospects camp. He's like, unreal. You know, he's so, so we were both just fired up. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, I was, they, they, they sent him the itinerary. I'm like, well, Vic, can you send me the itinerary too? Just He's like, sure. So he emails it over to me and they, they flew him out to New York. And that's right when they had hired John Tortorella to be their coach. And, and Trent was in shape, but I'd say he only basically had like a summer or a summer and a half of training, like, through his whole you know he's 25 26 years old a lot of these kids have been training since they were 14 15 yeah and he went out to that training camp and Tortorello I, I guess he was a little bit off his rocker but he I mean it was just all conditioning just super tough like bag skate every day and off ice and um like four days in Vic calls me he's like yeah Jay uh Trent's really really sick and I'm like He's like, yeah, I don't know what happened. You know, like he just, like one of our trainers found him like, like curled over in the elevator. So I called Trent. He's like, he's like, Jay, I, I, I'm sorry, but I just like my body is shutting down. Like I cannot hmm. do this. So he, 
he actually had to leave that camp but but it was so grueling and his body just wasn't ready for that kind of training yet and um so he ended up coming home and going back to he ended up going back to Kalamazoo for the for a second year and and just tearing it up again and so once he started tearing up I started calling all the NHL teams and yeah he got called up called up a few more times um to the AHL you know three games here three games there but every time they'd bring him up they like I said they put him on the fourth line and, and barely play him mm-hmm. so I don't know it was after a third year and I got to know some of these guys you know just from talking to them on the phone and um I remember us talking to a guy named David Oliver. He was with the uh, Colorado Avalanche, and they, the Lake Erie Monsters, were affiliated with um, with Colorado at the time. And I'm like, Dave, like, call him up. I said, but you gotta, you, you, like, you gotta put him on the top two lines or one of the top two power plays. I said, otherwise, it's not even worth his time or your time or my time. I said, I'm just frustrated. But this kid can play in your top six. And he's like, he's like, all right, Jay. He said, you know, I promise you I'll give him a couple games as a top six. Hmm. So I said, okay. And uh, so they called him up to the AHL. And for if you look, he played three games, and he was their second line center on the second power play, but he had three points in three games. Hmm. So I'm like, Dave, what's the problem? Like I said, put him up with the avalanche i said like this kid like you can he's like i jay i can totally see the kid can make plays he's like but my hands are tied like uh you know the way the nhl works is we 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 basically play our prospects you know hmm. so i'm like well that's that's ridiculous he's better than all your prospects he, he said yeah you know he said he, he could easily play here maybe you know definitely deserve a at least a cup of coffee in the nhl he said but i'm not the guy making the decision so we got to send him back i'm like he just had three points in three games he's like i know but you don't really understand how this business works you know so he said we got to send him back so he went back to kalamazoo and and after his third year he was he calls me he had just got married and uh he's or maybe he got married that at the end of the second summer i can't really remember all the details but he said um he basically said, I think I'm going to be done. You know, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm married. And, you know, I don't know if he had one kid at the time or not, but I said, well, I'm like, do you want to be done? He's like, no. He's like, I want, I'd love to keep playing. He said, but, but, you know, just, we just want to explore more things. I said, well, we're, if I said, well, you keep playing if you can go somewhere else. He's like, cause he loved Kalamazoo, but you know, he just is like young newly married and want to kind of maybe explore the world a little bit and and i said you want to go to europe or he said well no but he said let me think about it so he calls me back he said hey i just talked to my wife and if you can get us to colorado like uh i'll still play Hmm. so i said okay i said anywhere else he said no colorado i said okay so I'm like, crap, you know? So I called Nick. I'm like, Nick, I go, Trent's basically done unless you trade him the Colorado Eagles. They're a team in the ECHL. He's like, I ain't trading them. I said, Nick, come on, man. Like, it's nothing personal. Like, I mean, Trent loves you. He loves Kalamazoo. But, you know, he just just wants wants to go somewhere else. It's just, just is a life experience. And if he can still play hockey, great. But he told me if he can go to Colorado, he'll continue his career. I go, you really want this story to end right now? Like after three years, I said, he really has nothing to prove. But I said, I want to keep playing. Uh, well, I want him to keep playing because I think he can make it to the NHL. He's like, I do too. 
but I'm not creating them. Right? And so just over the course of two weeks, you know, and just being the guy that Nick is, he came around and he's like, all right, I don't want him to quit playing. I know he's not coming back here. So I'll trade him to Colorado. And, and, uh, so I called the Colorado coach, you know, while this Nick is saying no, and I wanted to kind of see if he was interested. He said, if you can get that kid out here, well, we'll take him. Hmm. You know, I said, I'm going to make it happen. And, uh, so anyways, to make a long story short, it worked out. He went out to Colorado and they had a pretty good team, but, um, the coach, he, uh, he started Trent off on the third line. And I remember it was like after, I don't know, eight games, he had like two points, but he was barely playing. He's playing like on a third line, no power play. And, um, the coach's name is Chris Stewart. And Chris, he actually calls me. He's like, Jay, I don't know what the fuss is about this guy. Um, but if he doesn't turn it around, you know, he, he ain't going to be staying here. I'm like, what are you talking about? You just moved him and his wife out there. They're, 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 I, I go, I go, Chris, I go, I'm just going to be blunt with you. Cause I, I, I don't have nothing to lose. I don't even care what you think. I said, you're, you're treating him like a redheaded stepchild. He's like, what are you talking? I go, you got him on the third line. I said, he's he's the best player on your team. You, you, you got him on the third line. You're not putting him on the power play. No penalty kill. He's playing with two slugs. I said, put him with some good players on the top line and watch what happens. I said, this is crazy. I said, I can't even believe. I said, I, I wasn't going to say nothing, but here we are 11 games in and, you know, you're jerking him around. I said, and he's the best player on your team. I said, I know you've never seen him before, but I said, put him at center. You got, you got him playing right wing. He said, I said, he's a natural center. He never played wing in his life. Not that he can't, but put him with good players. I don't even care if he plays wing, but if you want to see him shine, put him at center on a, on one of your top two lines with some, with some smart players I can think and, and watch what happens. And he's like, man, you know, you're, you're, you're super cocky or something like that. He told mm. me, I, I said, I, I, call me whatever you want. I said, I'm telling you the truth. He's like, all right, I'll see what I can do. So the next game, he put him on the first line center. And I think he had like 15 points in his next eight games hmm. <laughs> and they won like seven in a row or whatever. And I mean, yeah, he ended up having a three year career though. Then after that first year, um, Chris calls me back. He said, Hey, this guy is unreal. I said, I know he said, I'm going to make him the captain. So he was, he ended up being the captain of the Colorado Eagles. Huh. And yeah, this kind of, he averaged over a point a game in his career, played seven years and he got quite a, no, 30 or 40 games in the HL, but yeah, he averaged over a point a game in the ECHL. And I looked it up. He actually had the most points and the best plus minus during his seven year stint or whatever it was. Like nobody had more points combined or a best, better plus minus than he did out of men's know. league hockey. Right. So unbelievable. What a, what a ride for you to be able to follow along with too. Hey? Yeah. Well at the end too, like, like, so I was, you know, you have to re read the book if you want, but, um, I was trying to get him to an NHL training camp like every summer, every year. And, and the, the, after his third year in Colorado, I kind of knew he was, he was at the end of his rope. Like he still loved hockey, but he had a, he had, I don't know, I think he had three kids at this point. And, and, uh, it was basically, Hey, NHL or I'm done. Right. Like NHL shot and I'm done. So I'm calling, I'm calling every team in the league. Just, just, you know, get, basically just getting the phone slammed on me. And then uh, I got a hold of Julian Breezeball. Who's a, he's a GM at Tampa now. And this is, I remember I was, st I was out the lots up here at uh, my mom and dad's place. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm just working like a dog the whole time, trying to get him an NHL shot. Cause you're still training at this point, like through, 
like April, May, and June. And then maybe the, the last week of June, he kind of realized like, hey, this isn't, you know, I'm, so I think he slacked off on his training a little bit. And uh, and I'm calling I'm calling all these guys. Anyways, to get a hold of Julian Breezeby, and he's kind of on the fence, you know. So I I said, hey, um, he's like, I'll let you know. And he kept he kept dragging his feet. And I think it was like at the end of July, beginning of August, he calls me back and he's like, Jay, <clears throat> Trent's coming to Tampa Bay's NHL training camp. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is unreal. I'm like, okay, well. He said, yeah, I talked to Iserman and blah, 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 and we're going to send out a letter and and, and get everything, t- all the accommodation will be taken care of. I, he said, the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to take a look at him. Well, I was so fired up, but when I called Trent, I don't know, this might have been at the end of July or beginning of August, and he just like, he said, yeah, Jay, I, I, I thought about it, and I'm done. Yeah. You know, I'm like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah. I'm, I, I, you know, I haven't trained in four weeks or whatever it was. He's like, I, I basically, you know, I, I, I did not think it was going to happen, you know, and, um, but I'm sorry, you know, it was a great run. I'm done. So then I had to call, I had to call Julian Breezebaugh back and tell him like, Hey, like this is, I can't believe I'm even saying this, but he's trends done, you know, yeah. but I, I respected his decision, but I was devastated because that was our goal is to get a shot in the NHL, you know, mm-hmm. and he was going to NHL's training camp. That's a, my biggest regret is not putting that in my book because I have the I have the letter from Iserman. Even though it was Breezebaugh who who I talked to, Iserman sent the letter. You know, he was a GM at Tampa at the time, right. inviting him to. So that's pretty cool to have that letter that he actually got invited. But yeah, yeah, I always joke with Trent, you quit before I did. Yeah, <laughs> but it was time, you know. I mean, he's you know, he, Trent's one of my best friends, and like. I, I just uh, I learned a lot about hockey from that guy. I'll tell you. Yeah. So. Yeah, what a ride! And then uh, I got to get the book, read the book for sure. What's it called again? It's called Chasing the NHL. It's on Amazon. Chasing the NHL. I, I've seen it before. I know I could look it up, but I was also asking just for somebody who's listening too, if they wanted to scoop it up. Chasing the NHL. Okay. Yeah, it's an easy uh, read. I mean, I was a C student in high school, Logan. So I was. I mean, there's no big words in there. I. I <laughs> It's, but it's a, it's a good book. I think people enjoy it for what it is. It's like I'm sitting around the campfire telling you the story, even though the people listening to this podcast probably got the rough draft version of it. Right. Um, I mean, there's some stuff I forgot, obviously, but yeah, might go into a little bit more detail on some things. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it was a fun ride. Yeah. Unreal. And then you get to learn all the ins and outs of those different leagues and the different, how that whole yeah. system works and stuff like that. Yeah. I met a just, ton of people over the years then you see him at the rink and bump into him and walk up and say hello and um yeah i mean like even nick bootland to this day he's a he's a good friend of mine now you know he, yeah. he's actually he just he went up to the ahl this year and they they actually won hershey he's the assistant coach for the hershey bears he actually won the championship hmm. so it's kind of fun i still stay in contact with him and uh, i stay in contact with a lot of the people that you read about in the book yeah um you know just through text or short phone calls here and there right um and then uh yeah i know you had eric illitello on the podcast and i actually i actually helped out eric quite a bit too so it's yeah. kind of fun to listen to that podcast yeah this uh you know i i'm just thinking out loud here you you were an agent in a way right for trent or how, i don't know yeah that. i was an unpaid agent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it was fun I, I mean even over the years i've i've helped out quite a few kids even just get to college or juniors and um 
yeah, it's been, it, it, it's just something I really enjoy doing. I love, I'm a rink rat. I love being at the rink. I love talking hockey. Yeah. Um, it's, it, yeah, I'm, I'm super passionate about it for sure. Yeah. You ever think about being an agent, like doing that? Yeah, I have, I have, you know, and, and I, the, the, the biggest mistake I probably made was I never charged anybody. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do any of it for the money. I just did it cause I love it and it's fun. But, right. um, yeah, I've had a few guys that, that, that were close or one, you know, they actually made it, but they bailed on me a couple of weeks before they signed. Cause I didn't have any experience. They said, yeah, but I'm always like, I didn't really do it for the money. I never did it for the money or, but, but it's, um, yeah, I guess if I ever get out of insurance, that's something that I would probably pursue for sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm not the type to go work for anybody else. I, I I'd probably just start it up from scratch if I, if I did it full bore. Yeah. Yeah, huh. that'd be interesting. Obviously, you've got the the skills and the work and the and the work ethic and the persistence and the uh, and the actual understanding of the, the leagues. Like I don't, you're saying these leagues, the ECHL, I I don't even know what those leagues are. Yeah, well, the IHL actually folded, and then there's ECHL, which is below the AHL, which is below the NHL. Sure, but yeah, yeah no. When I when I jumped into it, honestly, Logan, I had no clue how anything worked. I mean, yeah, the steps you probably should take are you talk to a scout who's t- affiliated with the team, and then. He talks to the team. I, I didn't know any of that, so mm-hmm. it just I, it was innocent. It wasn't like I thought I was too good. I didn't know the steps, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of steps that you should should take or I would take now. Um, but for a story like Trent, I just know that went to work anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have listened or not. But right. yeah, basically, it's just. Um, I mean, it just goes with anything. A lot of people, a lot of people read a lot of books on what to do, and and but they don't do it. Right. You know, they 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 read the book and they tell them like how to be successful, how to do this, how to do that, but but they don't do it. Mm-hmm. So they just keep reading books. It's like, well, at some point you got to do it. And to me, I learned best by just jumping headfirst into the lake and figuring it out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you did. Uh again it's something you love it'd be interesting to see if in in 15 years that's what you're doing is being a uh, a, a hockey agent or whatever the right word yeah, is. you never know i mean I, I i really do love insurance as well um i mean that's i don't know if i'm as, i'm not as passionate about insurance anymore after doing it for almost 30 years but it's still it's still a people business you know you're out there and mm-hmm. and the good thing about insurance is you're always you're always working right you're always networking i mean you know, I, I'm pumping gas and I tell a guy he's got a sweet car, he should call me for his car insurance. I mean, I'm always, every every minute of the day, I'm basically marketing somehow. Yeah. You know, and not like, not like a hard marketing, but just shaking people's hands, like I said, smiling, look them in the eye and tell me I have a nice car, a nice house, or they're a cool business. And if you ever want to get a quote, you know, call me and hand them my card. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, again, I got to order that book. <laughs> It'd be fun to talk to Trent too, just to hear his side of it too, as far Absolutely. as what his uh, experience was like. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a, it'd be great. Yeah, huh? Unreal. The uh, yeah, so I guess that was the big things I wanted to bring you in here for. Again, the sales side of it, which you got into, and then the that you writing the book. How did you get inspired to write the book? You know, I was I I, I had no dreams or visions of ever writing a book in my life. Yeah. Like it, it was just you know during the time like everybody you know i know a lot of people and they 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 obviously knew trent and i had this this thing going and so they'd they'd ask about it like for updates and blah 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 and and then people would say hey tell me the story you know like how so i told the story probably 
500 times. And then I'm like, all right, I'm like, I'm just gonna write a book. Mm -hmm. Like just so it's, it's, it's in the book. It's like, I mean, not that I, I don't mind telling the story, but it just, so I'm just like, it's such a good story. Um, you know, I didn't tie any of my business into it or sales or anything, but if you read it, that's, that's what you'll probably pull out of it is, is there's just a lot of grit yeah. and, and persistence and consistency. And it's just all the things that, you know, even to have a successful business, that's what you need the most. You, you gotta be, you know, you gotta have grit and mm -hmm. you gotta be show up every day and, and just be consistent and grind. Right. And if you do that, like anybody can, can start a business. There's just, there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. If you have those, those qualities, you know, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Um, you just, just never give up. Yeah. What about the, uh, actual publishing of the book and all that kind of stuff and writing it and editing it? And yeah, well, I had help like with sentence structure and stuff like that. But I, I mean, if you read the book, you know, it's me. I, I, I wrote that thing and, uh, and then I just call people, you know, ask. So I basically ended up self-publishing it. I don't really know how, how it all works. So you call mm -hmm. a guy who knows a guy, you know, everything was pretty much done through Amazon. Sure. And I guess it's, they actually, when you order a book, they print on demand. Cause people ask me like, do you have to buy a thousand? I was like, I don't know how it works. I, then I found out like, you know, the book's there, it's all done, published and edited. And like I said, I had help with that, with, with sentence structure and mm -hmm. different things. And then the getting it publishing, get, getting it published. And, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, all I know is it's on Amazon forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unreal. No, again, I'll have to order it and check it out. Yeah. It's a, it's a good read. It reads like, you're, you know, I'm sitting around the campfire telling the story, kind of like this conversation. So if you heard this podcast, you pretty much got the gist of it. But um, yeah, it was fun. I, I, you know, I'll probably never write another book. A lot of people when I was writing it told me to tie my business into it. And I, I did not want to do that. I just, I wanted it to be strictly about the story. Yeah. And it's a lot harder than you think. Cause you say me, there's me and I, and I mean, there's only two characters. There's Trent Autel and Jay Storm. So I'm not going to talk in a third person. So it's like, it's, it, it was a little weird to write it just cause you know, there was only two of us in there and, right. and have it make sense and put it all together. But, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. So now, you know, an author too. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> it's unreal. Uh, yeah. What, uh, like through the whole thing, right? You're talking about these, you're calling these guys, you're getting fired up and you're and and again, I asked you about mindsets and philosophies and stuff like that earlier, but yeah, I don't know. How do you, like, I was just curious, like, uh, have you, you probably always been this way. You can get real fired up and passionate or whatever you're into. You're really into it. It kind of fits the theme of this, this, uh, this podcast in a way. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with, with business, with hockey. I mean, yeah. so when you call me and ask me to do this, I'm like, I'm like, I got to do it. You yeah. Know? Um, um, but, but if you're, if you're passionate about something and, and you can do it and go after it, like there's no, no reason you can't, you know, I mean, I was, I was inspired listening to Brucey e. Anderson go from a logger to a nurse and then listening yeah. to John Kosky and how he started. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's real, you yeah. know, like, and you could sit here and say, well, I got kids. And I don't know, like, just, just go for it. Like if you, if people just go for it and, and, and stick to it, like they'll make it like, there's nothing, nothing that'll stop you except yourself. If you don't quit, you, you, you won't fail. Right. I mean, but you can't quit. Yeah. That's the hard thing. And 
that's why I'm a big believer in sports. Even like sports teaches you so much, so much about life. Um, I would say that's where I learned a lot of stuff is is just from playing sports. I mean, you learn you learn about grit, you learn about teamwork, you learn about determination, and and being part of a team and communication and communicating and being a leader and um, I mean, everything's right there. So I encourage everybody to have their, their kids play sports if they can, because just being on a team, whether it's house league or a double a triple a, it doesn't matter. Just, just playing. You just learn so much from, from, from playing sports. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> no, growing up, I really enjoyed them and, and uh, still do and still appreciate them. But it's for sure you learn so much yeah. through. Yeah, I played football and basketball. And, and I mean, of course, hockey is the same thing, right? You got to fight. You got to do this. You got to fail. You got to win the whole bit. It teaches you so much. Yeah. Uh, but no, Jay, I really appreciate it. It was fun to hear about, fun to chat, and fun to hear the story. Thanks, Logan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.